computer. Welcome everybody to Legendary Leadership Lessons. I am your host, Gary Johnson, and boy, what a treat I have for you today. I have Dr. Terry Paulson on with us, and I've had an opportunity to see him speak multiple times. He's a PhD, a psychologist, an award-winning professional speaker. He's uh, been a national columnist. He's authored many, many books. Truly a gem to to see him speak. He's just an absolute authority, not to mention that he's also in the National Speakers Hall of Fame. So welcome, uh, Dr. Paulson. Well, great to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, I am too. And for the audience's sake, I, I wanted to get into today conflict management in the workplace. And, and I have an opportunity with what I do for a living to interact with CEOs and C-level employees on a very regular basis. And one of the things that we see on a, on a kind of a continuous basis is this inability at times for people in the workplace to deal with conflict. As you know, Dr. Paulson, with your background as a psychologist, many people just aren't even trained. They don't even know how to deal with conflict. They're, they learned it in the home, which, as you know, can be one of the worst places to learn uh, conflict management. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. I wanted to talk to you about, I believe this is a phrase I originally heard from you, uh, gently confronting. Can we talk about that? Yeah, I think, I think number one, you, you've got to face the fact that in today's environment, gently confronting is rare. <laughs> right. We have we have been impacted by a number of different forces that I think make conflict even more dangerous and, and more difficult to deal with. And probably first of all, the social media. Social media encourages immediate emotional reactions. And, you know, it's the old adage, uh, write a letter, but don't send it. Unfortunately, that doesn't seem to apply in the social media world. So what's happened is people are more and more frightened of conflict because they see its impact. I mean, a conflict poorly handled is dangerous. Uh, it can ruin relationships. It can affect teams. It can put an end to a project. Uh, and, and a well-handled conflict can do the alternative. It can set the stage for needed change. It can actually build relationships because we treasure people that care enough to confront, but do it in a way that allows us to hear. So the, the goal of handling conflict well is a very important goal, and, and particular for leaders, uh, because I think leaders uh, know the how, how dangerous it can be when conflict isn't handled well. So the challenge becomes, how do I, first of all, build the kind of relationships that can handle conflict? And secondly, when I do have conflict, how do I present and and confront a person in a way that makes it more likely they can hear that message? Because ultimately, we need to redefine what it is to care. I care enough about professionals that I, I know and people that I work with that uh, I know that conflict is part of, part of the game. It's, it's a part of caring because good feedback allows us to improve. And, and life is full of all kinds of course corrections and our challenge is how do we help people improve? How do we help teams improve? How do we help corporations improve? And so that involves conflict and conflict can set the stage for really needed change. What does that look like, Dr. Paulson? So when we're talking about having the right kind of relationship so that I can confront, 
you know, what is what does that mean? Well, I think it starts with making sure that if the only thing you do with people is confront people, even if you do it well and gently, it isn't going to be received well. Uh, Ken Blanchard talked about the fact that uh, for a manager or a leader to be perceived as a positive leader, they need a four to one positive to negative contact ratio. And, and let's let's look at that. With people we like, with people we work with often, it's easy to build that four to one relationship um, because we have we have lunch together. We sit together. We talk. We we interact. We have a chance to to um, work on a project together. There's compliments. Uh, there, there's all kinds of things that set the stage for people to have a good baseline of positives. But let's face it, with difficult people, with people we've had conflict that it hasn't gone well, we don't build that. We avoid those people. We establish what I affectionately call mafia facts. You don't bother me too much, I don't bother you. So <laughs> what ends up happening is the only time I interact with you is when I have a problem. And if that's the case, we, we create a major block to being able to get through on even important, even issues that we handle well, they don't want to hear it because they're distant. So I, I would say that thankfully in most business relationships, we have the opportunity to build enough positive interaction so that when somebody sees this coming, they don't see pain. They see a person they interact well with. And so the first suggestion I would make is most people don't have a lot of trouble with conflict with people they know well and they interact often with. If you have a difficult person, the first means to me is sit out of your comfort zone within your business. If there's somebody that there's going to be a lot of conflict with, or you tend to have conflict with that department or area, when you go to a meeting, instead of avoiding and sitting with the people you're already comfortable with, sit next to that difficult person and, and have a little informal chat beforehand. Maybe share a funny experience that you've had or say, look, I, want, I wanted to ask your input on something because I know you have background in this area listening and encouraging and being able to to find ways to build positive bridges means that the next time they see you they're more likely to be able to see a person that they can interact with and they'll probably be a heck of a lot more open to any negative feedback that you want to give so i i think first of all build a positive four to one positive deposit history with people that you interact with on the job. And if all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be working with a department where there could be conflict, boy, initiate some of those positive interactions early so that we build that baseline. It's a deposit history of positive interaction that allows when we do deal with conflict to be received certainly better. Uh, and I think that ends up being a very important factor. Dr. Paulson, you bring up a couple of things there that are interesting. I know Covey talked quite a bit about the emotional bank account, right? And making more deposits than you make withdrawals. And I think that relates very similarly to your point there. And I don't know if you've heard of David Hoffeld. He wrote the book, The Science of Selling. It was a really interesting book because it was a lot of empirical data. One of the first books I've ever seen in sales that had actual research associated with it. And he was talking about heuristics and our brain's shortcuts and the things that we do. And what you said was really interesting because it reminded me of something he said in his book about likability. If I like you, if you know that I like you, if, I, if I've demonstrated that, if you can feel it, there's a natural reaction from the other person 
to like you back. Right. I mean, because right. if, if you like me and I know you like me, it's really hard for me not to like you back. Do you think that's true? I think it is. And it creates a safe relationship. I mean, that's that's what we want. I think we're in a society right now where if we see somebody coming who disagrees with us. We're ready for warfare. <laughs> we're ready for true conflict to explode as opposed to be of use to a person. And so that's where that base of, of creating an emotional approachability in a, in a safe relationship is so critical. I, I also think, you know, I had a, had a, um, salesperson out of Florida, because I think salespeople have to deal with conflict all the time and problems. And and he said he, he, he attributed his success to saying, I'm a problem solver, not a problem evader. And he says, I relish every time a customer has a problem because I know in their past experiences, salespeople are very hard to deal with whenever they can't even get to a salesperson where there's a problem. And I know if I call that person immediately when there's been a problem and I'm open to listen to them and work with them to try and resolve it, I have a client forever because when you handle problems well, you build that relationship. And so I think instead of fearing conflict, we ought to see it as an opportunity for me to show that I can handle that. I can listen. I can work with you problem solve. And, and when I do that, I'm building a new kind of history with somebody. And, and I think those treasured relationships, because I don't know about you, but I, I value people who can confront me. I value people who can listen when I've got a problem. And boy, those are treasured relationships, particularly in a business environment where a lot of people aren't good at dealing with conflict. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You talk about that salesperson that had that mindset and so much of things is mindset. I, I re recall hearing Lisa Ford, a speaker on customer service, talk about fixing the problem, not the blame. And, you know, when you get somebody and you're talking to them and they get a hold of somebody and they're, they're ready to, hey, I'm going to tell you what's going on. And the person's receptive to that and like, hey, I'm so glad you got me. I'm going to help you solve the problem. It really disarms that person. Exactly. And, and here's... Focus on the fact, I, for a moment, the realization that conflict sometimes surprises us. In other words, I'm, I, I have to receive conflict. All of a sudden, uh, I've got a phone call and somebody's upset. Now realize, and, let, and let's focus for a second, most people avoid conflict. So what gets them over the hurdle of being able to share their concern with you. They're usually one of two things. Either it's a deadline that's coming and I've waited too long, but I've got to confront you because I'm going to be in trouble if I don't deal with this. And secondly, I've built up anger. It doesn't bother me, doesn't bother me, doesn't bother me. You die. And so anger overcomes the, ang the anxiety that we have in confronting. So many times you'll have people who tend to avoid conflict call you and anger is their calling card. So I can believe this, it isn't working. And since most of us don't like conflict, we have a tendency to defend as opposed to listen. And, and so the first thing I'd say when we're receiving conflict, your, your basic message is, you've got my attention. I wanna hear what you gotta say. Help me understand what happened. When did it occur? You help them get to specifics and the more specifics they have to share, their brain has moved from emotion up to the thinking part where they have to orient towards the facts of what happened. Wait a minute. When was that? What occurred? And, and as they begin to search for that information and you're, you're listening and at a time, 
to slow them down, you sometimes, wait a minute, let me repeat this back. So it was, uh, I think it was Friday, you tried to get this and such and such occurred. The more you slow down that process, but remain supportive and open, once that person's anger tends to dissipate, then we're in a position where we can move to problem solving. Well, look, I am very upset that we, we had to go through this. And I'm glad you called, but what can we do to fix this? Where can we go from here? Because the goal problem solver is to move out of the conviction territory, out of the past, which you can do nothing about. That's the rear view mirror of life. And I said, there's a re your rear view mirror is smaller than your front window because the only things that can make a difference are out that front window. So you, your goal is then to say, what are we going to do about this? How can I help you? Have you thought about this? You've obviously been concerned. How can we take care of this problem? And I listen to their thoughts about what they believe we can do to fix the problem. And I'm, I'm ready to to have a conversation now about what's realistic, what can't be. Sometimes when they're angry, they're going to ask for things you can't do, but you you try and work through, okay, what's what is something we can do? Let's let's talk about that aspect of it. So you're you're receptive to conflict. Conflict is if I handle it well, I'm building a relationship here. And and that's what I, you know, I'm so interested in trying to do. So when I'm receiving conflict, I'm doing more listening, focusing on the future. How can we move into the problem solving side of this? And when I'm confronting uh, a person, I'm making sure I'm not adding to the problem by the way in which I deliver that message. You know, Dr. Paulson, I think I may have gotten this next comment from you, maybe one of your presentations, and it relates to what you talked about with this amygdala hijack. You know, we get somebody coming in and they're in this emotional state of, you know, frenzy. And when we slow them down, hey, can I get you something to drink? All of a sudden, yeah. it, it's just like a, it almost smacks them over their head. Like, well, uh, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess a, a water be good. And it, it kind of starts to take them out of that that emotion that's really wanting to drive that conversation. But what I heard you say in your response about this whole thing is it's really imperative on me as the leader to be open to the feedback and to slow them down and hear them and listen, because if I don't go into that conversation, wanting to hear what they have to say, boy, it's pretty obvious. Oh, you're absolutely right. And in fact, it's something one has to believe as a leader. I believe that sometimes resistance and criticism, that's right. Sometimes they're right. And the, the earlier I get that message, the better off I am. And so my mindset has to be, don't offend. My job is to understand and to clarify and find ways to use this. My great uncle on the farms of Illinois, my, my parents would send me off to work on the farms because they grew up on the farms. And my great uncle, uh, Harvey, was he was a character and he would collect these thoughts and and he he when I came to work with him he he met me in the field and he says you know Terry while you're going to be here I know you grow up in the city and you know all the city stuff but I'm going to give you wisdom and I mean I, I was like 17 I go oh my god this guy's crazy <laughs> and in one of the statements he said that I just I treasure ever since he said it he said when one person calls your horse's ass don't worry about it but when four people do go out and buy a saddle <laughs> i don't know about you but there are i think every manager ought to occasionally take the saddle award they ought to occasionally say man am i so glad you confronted me because if i if you hadn't has the guts to confront you even if privately 
tell the person, would you mind in the staff meeting if I brought this up? Because you had the courage to come in here and confront me on this. And I am so glad you did because you were right. Would you mind if I brought it up? I don't want to bring it up unless you're comfortable with me doing that. And then at that meeting, I'm going to just share with the whole group. You know, I got to tell you something. I don't know if any other rest of you were feeling what Jim was feeling, but he came in the other day and we had an excellent conversation. I'm so glad he had the guts to come in. You honor somebody for confronting you. And the message gets across. Hey, this leader can handle somebody who disagrees because they have all had experiences with leaders. You got to play games with. You can't confront them at all. You got to do what they want you to do. And if you can change that perception, you're freeing your people to be the best they can be. I'm, I don't know about you, but I want the people who who are so bright, who are no significantly more than me. And the only way they're going to be comfortable giving that is if they know I can handle it. And that's where conflict becomes less really conflict is caring about the future and and knowing that tension is built in to any life situation and you've got to be ready to handle those course corrections that allow us to get where we want to go yeah i think you bring up some really good points for the audience especially those that are running organizations or if they're the buck stops here if they're the ceo of the firm and having that reputation or concerns of others that I really can't tell them the truth. So I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear is really, really dangerous. And I think your point's great. If I can use somebody on my team to allow me to demonstrate that I I didn't bite their hand off, you know, when they told me what, what I needed to hear is so important. I took real quick story, Dr. Paulson. I was doing a a workshop for, for a client several years ago, and we were doing a, a coffee stain exercise. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's from Tom Peter's book, and in search of excellence, where the, the CEO gets on the airplane, they don't know who he is. The, the person next to him puts the tray table down. There's a big coffee stain on it. He was very embarrassed. And he just talked about the power of perception. And I would use that as a work, you know, as a workshop to say, hey, let's talk about the coffee stains you have in your business. What are the coffee stains that you have? Break into groups. Let's talk about it. Now, I warned the CEO that I was going to do this workshop and I was going to do this exercise. And I said, you know, you have to be open minded to what they're going to say. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm open minded. No problem. I said, okay, well, I just want to make sure you understand because I'm going to ask. It's going to be in a workshop environment. You're sitting there. I just want to make sure you're willing and prepared to hear what they say. Oh, yeah, that's no problem. So we're in this workshop, Dr. Paulson, and and I asked this question. One of the the leaders of one of the the groups says, well, you know, uh, we a lot of clients tell us it's it's too hot in our in our building. It's just too hot. And the CEO stands up and says, oh, that's ridiculous. It's not hot in here. I don't even know what you're, who would ever, who, I can't believe that nobody says it's hot. Now, keep in mind, Dr. Paulson, I'm not a sweater. I don't sweat. And I'm sweating profusely in their offices. I'm giving this presentation. And you would have seen the air let out of the tire as soon as this CEO did that. I mean, nobody wanted to give feedback anymore. And it's it's just, whether it's conflict or hearing the truth or whatever it may be, as leaders, Unfortunately, a lot of us forget we're on stage all the time. And whether we want to be that way or we want to hear the feedback, it's our responsibility. We're leading a lot of people, right? Yes, you're right. What well, I had a similar well, similar experience in the sense that I was brought in by a company and they wanted me to deal with conflict and change. And they said, we've got some problem people. We've got some people who are just not bought into some of this. They're a little bit difficult to deal with. But we figure, you know, we've seen you present before. And when you present, this is going to make a difference. And I said, well, you know, maybe it'd be helpful for me to talk to some of those people beforehand 
and find out what some of their issues are so that we make sure that we deal with some of those issues. And they say, are you sure you want to talk to these people? (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, because I I would like to find out some of their perceptions, what we need to deal with so that they feel they have some input of what's happening, not just being done to them. And then he said, sir. Yeah. So I met with these people and I talked with them about what they were concerned about, what was happening. I made a list of some of these things. And it became very apparent. They were the same things that this leader said that they needed, but it came out of their mouths and the realization right. that they just didn't feel they could provide truth up the organization and go through this. So I had the chance of not waiting until we had them together. I said, look, I got to tell you, what they said they needed to have happen in this program is the exact same things you said need to happen, and but they're frightened of being able to go up the organization. That means you. <laughs> so I, I want you to know one of the things we're going to need to deal with is we're going to have to confront that. How, how do you want them to handle getting truth? So I got a chance to precursor, set, set the stage for, for right. him being ready to receive that. Because I, I will tell you, a lot of people are very defensive. Uh, And one of the things I tell people with providing uh, feedback to a person who is defensive and doesn't receive feedback with, they need to set an appointment to talk about conflict, not just talk about conflict. In other words, if I went to you and I said, Carrie, look, I don't have time right now uh, because I've got I've got a uh, a conversation I've got to have that 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 I, I've got to fit in before we talk. But could I have 15 minutes this afternoon, say at one o'clock, to talk about an issue that that I think is important for us to deal with? And typically they'll they'll say okay. Now if I ended there, I'm in trouble <laughs> because right. between now and then they're going to be worried about what is it that he wants to talk about, and he's going to get defensive even more. But I say to Gary, look, here's the situation. Last week in the meeting, this situation occurred, and I felt uncomfortable that I just want, I I want to check with you about how we, how you want me to handle that when we get to that meeting. So if you can do some thinking with, I could do some thinking, let's get together at one and, and maybe talk about that. I give them the agenda and let them have time to go through their defensiveness alone, because I'd much rather listen to their idea about what we want to do to handle it. So it's their victory instead of mine. My experience with conflict is that most people are harder on themselves than we will ever be on them. I mean, we say things to ourselves privately we would never say to another person. Religious principles, love thy neighbors thyself. Could you imagine the trouble your neighbors would be in? We, we say things to ourselves privately. We call ourselves names. We keep track of our errors. So typically, we think people don't listen. I think they defend more than not listen. They are so frightened that you're going to find the truth and you're going to have all this that we have to make it safe for them to know we're all in this together. We all make mistakes. So my job is to try and make you less defensive by letting you have time to get through some of that on your own. Uh, I, I used to say this wife, my, the woman who I was in counseling with, and she, well, my husband never listens to anything I say. As soon as I say I got to talk to him about something, he immediately goes to the bedroom and he closes the door. <laughs> I said, well, is that a problem? He said, well, of course it's a problem. He won't listen to me. I said, do you think he can hear you through the door? And, and she said, well, probably could, but, but then he, I, I don't want to do it that way. I said, maybe 
he's afraid he can't win in a conversation with you. You're very good at your verbal skills. He may not be. What if you go to the door and through the door say, look, I, I know maybe talking about this is not an easy issue, but let me tell you what I want to focus on. And, and I was concerned about something. And while you're in there, if you could do some thinking about it, I'd love a little later for us to talk about how we can get through this and give the person distance. is so strong and it's so abrasive and we see it in social media and everywhere else and people are frightened of it so the guy is we got to cut down the fear you know and i think it's a, to, i know how to do that is to, is to help give people a little bit of time work on the agenda of what we're going to say no i love that dr paulson i think that processing time it's it's a great suggestion especially giving them the agenda letting them know not only, hey, this is what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about solutions is a great way to come into a conversation where you might have been defensive and come into it with a better you know, mindset, which is awesome. I was going to ask you this to kind of close up our our time together. I want to talk about vulnerability. And you're alluding a lot to that with some of these, these discussion points that you're bringing up with leaders. We find at Vistage, you know, we have about 45,000 CEOs and C-level members around the world. And uh, we find that one of the strengths that they bring to to our meetings, and there's 12 to 16 CEOs in each one of these, these meetings, is their vulnerability. Being willing, as you said earlier, to demonstrate, I'm human. I mess up too. You know, I, I am... I, and I think people sometimes when we're in leadership roles, they, they think we don't or we're we're not willing to admit it. And I think when we demonstrate or show that we're vulnerable, I think it changes that relationship a lot. I'm curious your thoughts. I think definitely. Uh, to the vast majority of people, the internal world of, of, of how we view ourselves is so critical compared to what we project publicly. And, and to be able to admit that I don't handle things well on occasions and to be open to the fact that somebody else in that room says, well, that's the same thing. I've experienced that myself. All of a sudden, you know, you're not alone. That's one of the reasons I, I, I tend to like group therapy sometimes more than I liked individual therapy, because you get to take a little distance and watch somebody else. Hey, that's happened to me. I, I have the same problem, the same issue. And all of a sudden you realize we're all in this place of experiencing a certain amount of vulnerability. They, they found it in some of the studies that they've done that 80% of our internal dialogue, when asked to write down things we have done and to evaluate our own performance, 80% of the comments we make in self-evaluation tend to be critical. Now, wow. we don't do that publicly. We present ourselves as great, everything else. So you have to understand people are vulnerable. And if they know they can be safe with you and they feel that you're similar, they're going to be a lot more open to that feedback. Whenever I give feedback, I think of let me open it with just a, a very clear feeling message. Look, I'm frustrated about something. I need to talk to you about it. I give a preamble so they know something's coming. Then I find a specific reference to that particular issue. Oh, it was Tuesday. This happened. I don't give general criticism. I give a specific reference to an issue that opens us to that. And then I, I listen to what their response is. But I am prepared, even if they don't acknowledge it, to go into the future 
by saying in the future, here's what I'd like, because nothing frustrates a person more in conflict situations. And somebody says, well, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't know. I just don't like what you did. I think we need to be ready and do our homework. What's an example, specific example? What do we want to see happen? But put listening before we share what we want, because I'd rather it come out of their mouth than mine. Well, those are just great words of wisdom and everything you've said today, Dr. Paulson, can be used by the audience to be better leaders. Dealing with conflict is not easy for anyone, but when you understand it and break it down the way you did and see it as an opportunity to learn, that's what makes us even better in our roles as CEOs and business owners. Can I can I tell you this? This was ultimate pleasure for me to be able to be on the phone with you. I'm a big fan and I think everything you brought to this was awesome. I just want to thank you for it. Well, thank you, Gary, for inviting me. It's, it was I, I enjoyed the interview and the opportunity to contribute to the people that you serve, because that's exactly the kind of feedback we need to get right now to them, that uh, we could be masters of conflict because it sets the stage for the kind of changes we need to make in all our organizations. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Dr. Paulson.